Hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles, California. This is your host, Michael Benner, and this program is the third in a six-part series called Feeling Like Yourself, the FLY program. And we've done the first two, so we're up to number three now, which is all about the language of feelings, understanding the emotional hurt and heartache and upset as we experience it by facing it instead of turning away from it. Negative feelings are called negative only because they hurt. Actually, they have positive value. But if we turn away, we miss the value. We have to face our feelings. We have to have the fearless intelligence, the courage, really, to take a breath and relax. Know the difference between the fear of danger and the fear of facing your emotions or the simple fear of confusion and unawareness. And recognizing that this is not really dangerous. This is my heartache. This is my hurt. This is my emotional torment. Look directly at it and into it in expanded levels of higher consciousness or so-called expanded awareness. And that's why we do the meditation to enhance our ability to translate, so to speak, the language of your emotional feelings. Now, in fly number two, which was healing childhood hurt, we did a synopsis of the technique early enough in the program that our podcast listeners, this is a premium audio, the first 20 minutes is podcast freely all around the world. And podcast listeners got to hear that. I'm afraid we're not going to have the time to do that in this premium audio program. It's going to take the whole program to explain the technique, but I'll do my best to introduce it in such a way that those of you who are here for the free podcast will get a pretty good feeling of what we're talking about. Of the six techniques, this is my favorite. This is one of the most effective and powerful of all the visualization, personal development techniques that I teach and have taught for more than three decades. To understand the meaning of your feelings, I mean, the concept alone escapes most people. Who considers that, again, a so-called negative feeling would have positive value? Most of us turn away from our heartache and our upset. We push it away. We ignore it. We deny it. We medicate it with alcohol or recreational drugs or maybe pharmaceutical drugs. Or we find other strategies like just being too busy, the so-called workaholic or type A personality, a real good example of somebody that just doesn't have time or refuses to take the time or maybe best said has scheduled their life in such a way that they can avoid taking the time to look at why we hurt and what it means that we feel the way we feel. However, when we do that, and I call this Fearless Intelligence. It's the title of a book that will be released early in 2015. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be telling you about Fearless Intelligence as it becomes available. But fearlessness is your willingness to 
face your anxiety and your stress, whether you call it fear or just a little bit of worry or nervousness or mild apprehension. It runs the gamut, but it's always a signal, just like the gauges and lights on the dashboard of your car, that you need to look under the hood. You know, when your gas gauge approaches empty, you don't replace the gauge, you fill the gas tank. And if the alternator light on your dash comes on, you don't fix the alternator light, you check the alternator or the belt and look under the hood. Well, in the same way, your hurt emotions are not really the problem. They're an ally. They're a friend. They're alerting you and warning you to something that's going on with you that's a little deeper and more complex. And you may want to consider taking the time to close your eyes, to breathe and relax, to create a letting go feeling in your body, to feel nice and safe so that you bring online your higher brain functions, insight, intuition, a quality of awareness and understanding that is shut down by stress and anxiety, part of the fight-or-flight response. We lose these higher brain functions, not only when we face danger, but the fear of things unknown. That's the vast majority of our anxiety is just unawareness and confusion. So as I said a minute ago, to learn to distinguish between the fear, stress, or anxiety that comes from confusion or things unknown from the fear of real danger is important. The danger is rare. I mean, the world really, in spite of appearances, is safer than it's ever been. You're in greatest danger in your bathroom. If you're going to get hurt or killed, it's likely to happen with a slip and fall accident. So be careful in the bathroom. Then there's the freeway. People who own guns or people who smoke cigarettes and eat fast food, these are the real dangers, not somebody you don't know shooting you with a gun. vast majority of murders, like 85, 90% of murders in America are between people who know each other, usually friends, family, neighbors, right? It's not the strangers that are killing each other in America. It's people who know and love each other. (laughs) They get mad enough to kill somebody, and then if the gun's handy, they do it. And certainly not some terrorist is going to come along and kill you. And if you watch the news, particularly cable news on TV, you get the feeling that you're in great danger at all times from people you don't know and will never meet, terrorists from abroad who somehow are going to invade America with their submarines and aircraft carriers, right? Terrorists don't even have airplanes, much less a Navy. It's just silly, this. Generally, most people have their understanding of danger and fear all mixed up. To summarize, all fear is really fear of the unknown. And in those rare instances where some sort of danger is involved, well, it's still what you do not know about the danger that's frightening. So, you see, the fear, by any name, stress, anxiety, worry, nervousness, doubt, apprehension, or terror, or panic, wherever it falls on the spectrum, 
It's negative because it hurts. That's why it's called negative. It's a non-love feeling, and it's distressing, but it really has positive value. We have to understand the language of feelings, which is basically intuition, not logic, in order to extract the message, to follow the clues and figure out what these particular anxiety-based feelings are telling us on the dashboard of life about about us, by the way. You know, other people may stimulate our feelings, but emotional feelings are responses. They come from us and they're about us, not the person or the group or the circumstance that stimulated the feeling. It doesn't tell you very much about the stimulus at all. Feelings are responses. They come from you and they reveal you. That's a very important concept, fundamental. I mean, a cornerstone of all of this personal development work is being accountable for and responsible for your emotions as your responses, your symptoms that reflect you, not the stimulus. Okay? Now, fight or flight poisons the mind. It's called klesha in the ancient Pali language or Sanskrit. Klesha or poisoning of the mind is referred generally today in the West as emotional hijack. It's when the fight-or-flight response shuts down the higher brain functions in the neocortex and allows the limbic brain, the ancient lizard brain, to run the show. And the lizard brain sees things very simply as either-or, everything or nothing, all black, all white, no third way, nothing in the middle. Any difference, any variation is an opposite. And you'll notice when you get frightened or upset or worried, you begin to think that way. Everybody does. We see the slightest little variance, the most minor disagreement as opposite, as if the whole world could be understood as a true or false dynamic. You're either with us or you're not, like a couple of teams playing a contest. Whose side are you on? rather than the full array of possibilities. Like, hey man, 95% of what you're saying I totally agree with, but there's this 5% over here? Well, I have a slightly different view of that. And that doesn't mean I oppose you. It doesn't make us enemies because 95% of what we're saying we can certainly agree on and, and, and tolerate each other's disagreement in this minor area. But the more anxious or stressed or fearful you are, the more likely you are to think in everything or nothing terms. And while you can see that in domestic disputes, you can see it in international affairs, you can see it in the foolishness of human beings who lose access to their brain power as a result of this klesha, this poisoning of the mind that comes from an inability or arguably, an unwillingness to understand your emotional nature. You can, however, develop the ability to avoid klesha and remain balanced and centered. The state is called equanimity, even-tempered, and recognize that we ought to be able to disagree without feeling threatened because we always have common ground. 
This level of understanding is what Christ meant when he talked about loving your enemy. This doesn't make sense to most people. Even most Christians don't really get the Sermon on the Mount. I think that's why uh, the fundamentalists want to post the Hebrew Ten Commandments in the courthouses and the schools rather than the Sermon on the Mount. They don't really get the meek shall inherit the earth and blessed are the peacemakers. This love your enemy stuff doesn't make sense if you think of love as an emotion. It's like, what, somebody uh, bombs a building and I'm supposed to give them a big hug and a kiss on the lips? Love is awareness. It's understanding. It might have been better if Christ said, understand your enemy, right? Or even respect your enemy. But that too could be confused, you see. Like, why would I respect somebody that's trying to kill me? Well, so that you can avoid being killed by them. The respect is a quality of understanding. It doesn't mean you align yourself or ally yourself with somebody because you respect them. It just means you are careful. You want to understand them. You want to be aware of why they are your enemy. There's the question. Why are terrorists interested in destroying the United States? Why would the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor? You know, why did Hitler invade Poland? Why is there war? And why do we argue with the people we love the most? The why is emotional. Who, what, where, when, how, how much, <laughs> what for, these W's are pretty much mental. It's the why that speaks to emotional motivation. And I think that's an important insight for you to have as well. So what we do in this technique is anytime you have a so-called negative feeling, a feeling that hurts or upsets you, is to find an opportunity to sit down, relax, and confront the emotion in a, when I say relaxed, in a meditative state. If you've listened to the Mystery School, you know that pretty much every program has some meditation, a visualization exercise some sort of mindfulness exercise. And again, the reason for the meditation, the mindfulness, the visualization and relaxation is to reverse that fight-or-flight response, replace it with a relaxation response, to bring back online the higher brain function, the intuitive insights that we lose when we're frightened. So you reverse that and open your mind. You stand receptive to insight, not logic. When you use reasoning, typical deductive logic, to try to interpret a feeling, it's like using the wrong key to unlock the door. Logic will no more reveal feelings than your emotions would give you insight into your logic. There are different forms of intelligence. You can't feel logic. You can't feel being reasonable. And you can't deduce your way to an understanding of an emotion, you see. So if mentally our approach to understanding, solving problems, making decisions is deductive logic, analysis, and reasoning, fine, that's the mental side. What is the secret? What's the key to understanding emotions? It's intuition, which is not 
illogical, but certainly it is non-logical. Intuition Intuition requires us to go to a state of relaxation where we hold a thought or a question in our mind and wait for a response to bubble up, to effervesce, in a sense, from the unconscious. And it will. You know the admonition, asking ye shall receive, knocking the door shall be opened, that kind of thing. You hold a question in your mind in a quiet state, you get an answer. You hold a question in your mind in a typical frenzied, chaotic, high-stress state, there's too much noise for you to hear any kind of answer. The intuition is a still, small, quiet voice. And you have to relax to quiet the din of the mental ideas competing for attention and the emotional frenzy all around it, you see, all of the input of thought, feeling, and perception. But when you relax and your thoughts become quiet and your emotions become calm and the input of perception falls into the background, now you can hear that still small voice and intuition will speak to you. And The great thing about it is it arrives with a sense of certainty, of confirmation, the aha experience, the eureka illumination. I've got it. That's it. Oh, my Lord. That's the answer. That's exactly what I was looking for. That's the way the language of feelings reveals itself to you. Well, that's all the time I have for the podcast, people. Now, we're going to continue for the premium audio and actually demonstrate how to do this. If you're a podcast listener, thanks very much. I hope you'll consider subscribing for a single class, a 13-week quarter, or a full year at our website, theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. Visit the site, if only to click on the button that says free newsletter. All we need is your first name, your primary email address, and your zip code if you're in the United States. Those outside the U.S., just put a dot or a period in that blank and then click submit. And you'll get the free newsletter every week with links to the podcast. And know also that besides pulling the podcast with your aggregator from the iTunes store, You can also listen on Stitcher and stream without downloading to your smartphone or your tablet, however you want to do it. Streaming via Stitcher.com or download with the standard podcast and manage the programs like you would any other song or other podcast. So for our podcast listeners, thanks a lot for tuning in. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner from Los Angeles.